So last week, I, th- I think it was last week, we started with the question of which pocket is the right pocket to hold your phone. Is that right? I think that might have been a couple of weeks ago. They, they, all, they all kind of blur together. Sure. They're all classics. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to start. The, I'm going to try to make that a recurring thing because I'm going to ask you a point blank question to which there is only one correct answer. So I have one for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what day of the week does a new week start on? Oh, Monday. No. Why'd you, why, why'd you have to get the wrong answer? I'm one for two. That's, I mean, that's not terrible. You, you had left, uh, left front pocket, right? For my phone? Yes. Yes. Okay, so, so sure, you have the correct answer for one of them. So are you, are you a Sunday guy? Yes. Yeah, so on a calendar, so here's the, this has been very vexing for me on a couple of ways. Um, so do you use the activity application for, uh, that kind of, which is where all your fitness data from the Apple Watch goes? Unfortunately, yes. So if you back out into month view, it drives me insane. That I don't know, if, I don't know if I've ever done that. Hold on. So let's go. Where the hell is the, oh, I guess, oh, I can use your trick. I can just search for it. Activity. That should be everybody's trick. Yeah, I'm trying to get trying to get more into that habit. I liked that. Yeah, so see, this has it right. It's the week starts on Monday. That's insane. And it, it's certain weird apps. Like, I forget which other one recently did that as well, and it, it drove me nuts. But, like, Fantastical, like, I hope Fantastical does not give you the option to change it to Monday. But Fantastical and every, almost every other app does it right. The week goes from Sunday to Saturday. Not Monday to Sunday. That that that's 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 madness. I think I have it set up in an Outlook on my my work laptop. I think I have it where it's Monday is the start of the week. That's the it's the right way to do it. It's it's I, I respectfully disagree. I feel like P- perhaps be, not respectfully. You, no, no, <laughs> just disrespectfully disagree. <laughs> no, I think I'm taking a stand here. Oh. Um. Well, I think you know. I don't. I don't want to get too personal, of course, but um. I think maybe part of what colors your opinion is your line of work. Well, no, I, I, I thought about that, and I don't think so. Like, every calendar you've ever looked at, like printed calendar texts, what day of the week does it start on? Well, it's, I mean, it starts, it starts on Sunday. That, that's traditionally, the yes. But I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, to me, Monday is the start of the week. Monday morning is the start of the week. Yeah, I, I think Sunday morning. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, I, no. I think Sunday is the laziest day of the week. I think that's when the week starts, and then the regular work week starts on Monday, of course. But no, you you have the weekend, which is two days long. But the week, from a time telling or or tracking point of view, starts on Sunday. Well, I, th- I know I, th- I think Sunday represents that that day of rest, as as you say. Um... At the end of a, you know, at the end of a busy week, it allows you to kind of reset the mind before you, you know, start the week officially uh, the next day on Monday. This is not a good start to the show. This is this, this has me all befuddled. Should we start over? If if we if you want to re-record this and change your answer, <laughs> absolutely. No, I, I stand I stand by my correct answer. You're you're allowed to be wrong every once in a while. I'm not sure I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not sure I'm gonna let this go. <laughs> And also, as I look on the Mac more, I'm 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 frustrated by the number of applications that allow you to change this. But at but the, but at the very least, the default is the correct answer. 
Well, but there's an acknowledgement that what we have historically used as the, as the beginning of the week, um, you know, pardon the pun, might be outdated. And so apps, you know, modern apps allow you to uh, to change that. Well, when uh, is this one of those like Wednesday is the new Thursday thing? Like, I don't think that's that's true. I think Thursday is the new Friday. I think that's that's really where we're at now. Yeah, no, but no, but that that's old news. Wednesday is the new Thursday in the sense that Thursday is the new Friday. Well, Wednesday, Wednesday is the new the new night to record podcasts. <laughs> Wednesday is no longer Top Chef night. Hmm. All right. This is this is already turning into a mess. Yeah. What what, what would you like to talk about this week, sir? So I I know what I want to get right into. I, I want to uh, yeah, Facebook earnings. Right. Um. You know we 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 typically yeah we're we're, we're going to get big into you know Apple earnings all all their earnings this week. That's really what we that's what the people come to here. Um. No. So I want to you know sometimes we tend to bury the lead here on the show. Uh, but I, I don't want to do that this week. I want I want to get right into right into our main topic, and that is that I am now an OmniFocus user. Something that you have been attempting to get me to try for how long would you say it's been? I don't think I've been pushing it on you. I, I think I've I've strongly suggested it. I think there have been two things uh, over the run of this podcast that I've tried to uh, cajole you into. Uh, which is uh, one using Instagram, which I think is a lost cause, but I'm not going to give it up. And I think uh, OmniFocus is something I'm a big uh, champion of. Yeah, and I think after, so I, I think I downloaded the Mac version of the app, which you can get a free trial of uh, the day after we recorded last week. So I think last Thursday, and um, I you know I read read through some of the the help pages that are that are built into the app and then watched a bunch of the videos on their website and I it felt like it it I got hooked really fast. I felt like even just after a couple of those intro videos on the site I I was instantly drawn in and kind of instantly saw where this was going and what the utility would be. And you you weren't overwhelmed by it. So that that was the most surprising part. No, I, I think what I saw right away was, yes, there was a ton of setup you can get you could get into, and there was a ton of fiddly things you could you know spend hours tweaking. But if you just wanted to kind of jump in and you know create some projects or throw a bunch of stuff in the inbox, you totally could. Sure. Um. And that that was actually one of the things that was pleasantly surprising because that's been one of the daunting things about the idea of trying the app was everything you hear about it is you know the setup is is complicated and I, and I don't think that's entirely untrue but it kind of like the app itself as a whole like you can you can make it as complex as you want it to be or you can make it as simple as you want it to be exactly and there are entire sections of it like for me contexts that I can just somewhat safely ignore. And that's something that maybe most people would get uh, bogged down by, thinking they have to take it all on at once. So so I think, the, so the way that I wanted to kind of structure this part of the show and what I've been thinking through this week as I, I've been using the app, so I, I've, I've been using the free trial on the Mac, and then um, yesterday or the day before, I downloaded the, the iOS version. And so I've been using that some... And so now what I want to do is kind of ask you how you use OmniFocus, because you've been using it for um, a couple of years now. I think uh, think since 2008. 
Oh, wow. So much longer than that. You used this in college, really? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Um, so I, you know, I, I, before using the app, it would have been really difficult for you to explain how you used it because I think first you kind of need to understand how the app works. And so now that I, I have at least a basic understanding of that, I feel like maybe if I ask you some things about how you use the app, it'll kind of make more sense than it, than it would have before this past week. Sure. Um, so I think the, the first thing, which is this, the, the most basic question, which is what's, what's your, what's your workflow in terms of just capturing ideas and capturing actions? Are you, are you someone who just, when a thought comes to mind, you immediately, you know, dump that in the inbox and then, you know, periodically, maybe once a day at the end of the day or something, you'll go through the inbox and then go ahead and sort everything into projects or when a thought comes to mind, you, do you kind of instantly know what project you want to put that into or like where you want it to go? Sure. So it depends on what it is. So the two, like outside of like music apps and like the phone, uh, on my phone, the most commonly used apps I have are drafts and OmniFocus. So it depends on what type of information it is. If it's just something I want that I need to just get out of my head, but maybe isn't actionable, it'll frequently just go uh, sit in drafts. But Drafts has a uh, great feature where you can uh, then export that into a new inbox item inside OmniFocus. So if you put something in the wrong place, uh, it's not really stuck there. Uh, but no, if it's anything that uh, is something I need to do or remember and maybe has an action associated with it, I will just uh, put that into the inbox in OmniFocus. And then every night or whenever I have a little bit of downtime, I'll comb through the inbox, um, put it into a project if uh, necessary, um, assign notes related to what resources I might need for the task. And then if it's a very clear task, it will be assigned a due date, but only if it's something I'm sure absolutely needs to be done. Uh, otherwise, uh, a due date does not get assigned to it. Yeah, that was actually, that was going to be my next question. So like my early use of the app has been, I think in this, this would be what I would expect, which it's sort of mirroring the way that I, that I used to do things with the reminders, not, not really the app. Cause I would really access reminders mostly through Fantastical, but in, you know, in reminders, obviously you're, you're primarily setting times, right. Where the, where the reminder is going to kind of pop up at you. That's true, except the only, like, that's one of my biggest knock against reminders is that the input screen is so weird in the sense that the default behavior is not to assign a due date. That's one of the reasons why I don't like it. Right. So, so for you, so anyway, so that, that pretty much for me, I, I would say, you know, two thirds of the actions that I've been, been putting into OmniFocus, I have been assigning a due date. But I guess for, so for you, as someone who maybe doesn't assign due dates regularly, are you then utilizing the review feature a lot? Or how do, how do you kind of like come back to those actions if you don't have something reminding you about them? Well, it's not a reminder. It's The thing is about due dates for tasks is if you start putting a lot of stuff into OmniFocus or just if you start uh, inputting a lot of stuff in anything, if you put due dates in when it doesn't absolutely have to be done, you get into this state, which I've gotten into a couple times, where you end up having nine things to do for that day. And because of that, you either don't open the app or you try to ignore it because you see the un, like the undone count. 
And then that prevents you from doing the things you actually need to do. So that's why I think assigning due dates is super, um, you have to be very deliberate about it. Because you can make an item that uh, just says, uh, check on uh, items related to like my upcoming move or something. That reminds you that you need to think about other things or maybe investigate things that might be due soon. But that is something that you can easily check off that's not going to distract you from other things. So, so then going back to my original question, like how do you, how do you keep track of all your, your tasks? Like are, are, is, it, is it through review or is it through some other means? So generally most of my time either uh, – I, I live in the forecast tab, uh, which is the most useful for me because that's what I actually need to do throughout the day because that integrates what my calendar appointments are as well as any items that are due. And also I'm not sure if it's completely obvious – but inside OmniFocus, you can uh, not only set a due date, but also the actual time of day so that you get notifications uh, on your watch of when you have to do something. Yeah, yeah that, that wasn't... Because the default of 5 p.m. thing, I think a lot of people realize that is changeable. Yeah, that, that was not obvious. Like, and I didn't really realize you could just sort of, you know, almost use like natural language in, in that due kind date of. field. Kind of. Yeah, um, that, yeah. That's, that's a big pet peeve. I wish they would somehow knock off or like merge with Fantastical. <laughs> so that was better, but yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, no, I I love the forecast feature, and that's where I live most of the time because that's how I plan out my day. I I'm not somebody who goes into Fantastical or uh, the calendar app. I get to that stuff through OmniFocus generally, and then I can kind of see when in my day those to dos are um, able to get done. Uh, and then otherwise, I'll just be inside projects because again, that's something I try to keep pretty tidy. So anything that doesn't have a due date. I'll just look at it because I don't have 60 different projects. I can usually just see that at a glance. And if I just spend 30 seconds thinking of what I need to do, I can then do what I do, which is promoting items to being due. Hmm. So, so do, you, do you utilize the review feature at all? Very infrequently. I use it to remind me to review projects I haven't touched in a while to consider do they still need to be there. So I review projects, not tasks. And how many projects do you have? I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven folders, and I would say I have about 15 to 20 projects. But some of them are kind of freestanding projects. Like some, one of them is, like I have a bill and invoices folder, which uh, either has stuff that uh, I have to pay a single time, a reminder of which auto pay accounts I have enrolled, uh, and things I might be expecting money from. So those are like three pro- uh, three projects that aren't necessarily active projects. And do you, do you have like, um, like for me, so like I only have two folders so far, just like personal and work. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in each of those categories or each of those folders, I have like a um, miscellaneous kind of project, or I, let me get the terminology right. It's one of those... Um, um, single actions single actions thank you um so i have like a miscellaneous per, miscellaneous personal actions and then like a miscellaneous work actions um is is that am i kind of on the right track do you think there or is it dear do you treat no i i think that's great i actually almost the vast majority of my projects are single actions just because maybe i'm uh, not doing big enough things but most of what i'm doing doesn't need to be done sequentially Right, yeah. Like th- there, there are a few projects uh, other than a couple of things at work 
that must be done in certain orders. Sometimes I'll need an approval or I'll have to have somebody else do something before I can do something else. But most things end up just being single action items. And like really like what's sort of like the the functional difference between a parallel project and a single action list? Not a whole lot. Yeah. Parallel means maybe projects that require yeah, not a whole lot. Yeah, I th- that was my that was my impression too. Yeah, if you do parallel, the ordering of things is maybe more important. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, I have, I have two folders, and I've got one, two, three, four, five, six personal projects, and then like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, eleven, twelve, like fourteen work projects. Wow. You've gone all in. Well, I well, I, some of this is, is is backlog, right? Like it's um, like one of the very first things that I did was, you know, I, I created the personal um, act, project folder and then the work project folder, and then with the work one, I basically just said, okay, like what what are all the different things that I'm working on right now that I haven't been effectively capturing? Um, They've just been things kind of rolling like just rolling around in your brain that just you're always thinking of unnecessarily. Right, right. Um, well, and also like to be to be more specific, like for me at work, you know, my manager um, just this past week went on maternity leave. And so, you know, for myself and the team, it's, it's you know, it's been a time where we've really had to you know, step up and, and take on some additional um, tasks. And so, um, it, it, and it's, it's been more important to um, keep track of those, right? Because... You know, the, the the more levels of review and the kind of the more people that you have, you know, the less likely it is that things are going to slip through the cracks. So when you're and you, you know, don't you're, have somebody making sure you're on top of stuff, yeah, not as not as closely, yeah. right? Um, and so it's it's really important to to, to document this stuff. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I mean, like for me, like that that's been great. And then it, it kind of like a, at a more micro level, what's been awesome is just like you know, I, I'm in a meeting, I'm taking notes. And I didn't. I didn't realize that whole drafts integration with OmniFocus. I, I want to look into that because that has been kind of my workflow so far. Where I'll be, I'll be in a meeting, I'll be taking notes, and then like right when I get out of the meeting, I'll you know I'll immediately say, okay, you know, here are the here are the kind of like the five takeaways, or here are the five like to dos, and I'll just you know instantly just throw them into the inbox. Um, and then you know at the at the end of the day, I'll I'll typically go through and, and kind of you know organize everything in the inbox and, and put it into a into a project sure that's it, it, interesting about the the, the the due date thing though i for me i feel like having due dates assigned to most like i'm almost the opposite where i feel like i feel like most actions or tasks should have a due date and it, it's sort of like the rare less important things that don't i think that the, like the fundamental thing is that it's it's just differentiating between something like a due date needs to be this like bad things happen if this doesn't get done rather than something being an aspirational due date. That, that does make a lot of sense. And I think that for me, that was one of my personal issues where again, like just sometimes I would end up being like having like 10 or 15 un, uh, undone things and then things that actually must be done started getting lost because I didn't want to look at the stuff that I had maybe hoped I had gotten done by a certain day. So again, it depends on how you use it. If it's work stuff where you're being very explicit about what needs to be done, then you won't have that issue. 
I guess for me, since I'm just trying to do just random stuff, whether it be I, I want to write something or I want to clean up the apartment or I want to uh, do this, uh, it's it's being more judicious about that kind of stuff. No, I, I like that idea because that, that's almost how I used reminders in a way where it was the things that really needed to get done. That's what I would throw into reminders. And then the things that didn't absolutely need to get done by a certain time, I would just kind of would just try to remember them. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense where if, I don't know, if maybe if you have due dates on everything, the due date itself, like the function of that sort of loses some of its importance. Exactly. Um, okay. So, so you don't use contexts by and large. I mean, can you, I actually don't really even know exactly what contexts are. So contexts are where you can assign either a location or like you can assign a context for like a work activity, like, um, like if something goes onsite or offsite or if it involves other people, or if it's a personal action, whether this is at your house, your friend's house, is this at uh, the Safeway, uh, you can assign locations for things where then uh, you could then go into context and say, I want to look at everything that uh, is able to be done at uh, my friend's house. And then regardless of what project it's in, that uh, that task would come up. So depending on how you work, that might be useful. But for me, most of the stuff I'm doing, it's either obvious where it needs to be done, or I don't have that many things where different projects like cross that many paths. Does that make sense? You know, it, it does. It totally does. Um... Like for some people, I'm sure that that's workable. Like they would think, like, oh, I'm I'm at uh, I'm at I, I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm at some office building and I, I there's something I could do for personal. There's something from this one contracting job I have. There's one thing for my real job that I could be doing, and I might not be looking at all those things at once. But for me, that just doesn't come into play. I could see maybe if you were the type where in your job you were traveling places. I mean, not even necessarily like traveling across the country, but like if you know, like my maybe previous a bit, job, a lot, lot of different offices or something. Yeah. yeah, like in my previous job where I was, you know, client serving, I, I would I would be you know, at different client sites. And so maybe you could organize tasks based on client site. I could sure. see, that, see that being helpful. Yeah. But for me, but for me now that that isn't relevant. So that gets almost entirely unused. Um, how about the flagged feature? Flag doesn't get too much time just because, because I'm really judicious about due dates. Um, it, it, it's not super important. Certain things, if there's a task that um, I don't want to be due yet, but I do want to pay more attention to, sometimes I'll flag it. But again, because on iOS, the uh, app badge, which is one of the, it, OmniFocus is one of the few apps I will allow to have um, a number badge on, uh, it lumps due and flag together. Uh, I, it goes less used than it might if it was just on Mac. Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, the OmniFocus is the only app on my my home screen that I allow the badge to show up on. Yeah, after after we talked about me eliminating the badge on the the mail app, and that that is very very useful. As is the um the the widget in Notification Center. Sure. Um. Okay. So how about now? The the big area that I've done nothing with so far, um, but but I can totally see the appeal, but I feel like I just don't understand enough yet or how to use it is uh, custom perspectives. So custom perspectives, those are weird. Um, 
they're more uh, uh, the Omni Group has stated that they are trying to make the iOS versions reach complete feature parity with uh, the Mac version, and they're almost there. But the handling on custom perspectives on iOS is not as great as I would want. However, um, so a custom perspective, if uh, on the Mac, if you go into the menu bar and then you go to show perspectives, which you can also do by going to option command P, uh, there's some built-in ones, which are um, like the default, like inbox forecast review and that kind of stuff. But you can also do uh, a custom perspective, like um, things you recently completed, things you recently changed the due date or notes on. You can choose something like, let's say you have... um, you weren't doing folders specifically for work and personal. You could make uh, custom perspectives of just work stuff. And if there was a project that was in a different folder or something, you could kind of tie that together. Um, you can do it by context. There's a whole lot of stuff you can do, but I generally will create a new perspective uh, under the option use project hierarchy. And then uh, I just bring in whichever um, projects I want. And you can also filter it by things that are maybe due within the next week or um, like there's a whole lot of different uh, tags that you can choose to filter things down by. Hmm. So what what are the ones that you use? So I have one for work, which includes a couple of different projects. And I will generally make that things that are due within the next week. Um, I will... um, I have one for all flagged tasks. I have one called day plan, which is, um, this is something that's more advanced, but I use uh, an unsupported Apple script program called OmniFocus uh, Templates so that you can, uh, I think that's really useful if you ever get into this. But I have one for day plan where any template that I generate goes in there. So, yeah, so I have one called uh, day plan errands, uh, my workplace, and then I have one for kind of my, uh, what I want to focus on, uh, kind of like developing myself for the next year. Hmm. So yeah, I wouldn't worry about that too much until you kind of get super linked up with the rest of it. Yeah. Cause that's, that, that's adding too much granularity for a lot of people probably. Yeah, no, but I, but I see the appeal of it. And, you know, one of the decisions I had to make sort of is, um, you know, am I going to go just regular or pro? And um, I'm going pro because I do think that. Well, you're already $60 in with the <laughs> iOS app. So. Yeah, right. Well, but I mean, I think I, I, I know I'm going to want to use custom perspectives. And I, you know, you had mentioned to me that once you purchase one version or the other on the Mac, there's no looking back. Yeah, there's no in-app purchases, thankfully, I think for now on the Mac. Yeah. So, you know, I I decided just to kind of to go for it. Plus, I also on iOS, I liked the customization of the widget in the notification center and then also the ability to, you know, organize the layout of the iOS app, which are two other pro features that I liked. Say the second one again? Uh, where you, you you organize the the layout of the app itself. So like you 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 organize where basically where things are on the the home screen. Sure. Which is it's kind of a crummy thing that's in the pro version, but you know, I, I get it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I, I guess I, I feel like nothing you've said. What I was th- kind of thinking was going to happen was the way that you were using it would be just like completely different than the way I was using it, and I, I would end up feeling like I was on the wrong track. No, I think it's just again just get everything that 
you think might need to go in here into inbox. And again, at the, whenever you have a spare chance to review it, if it wasn't meant to be a task, you just take it out, but at least you didn't forget it. Yeah, that, that that's that's been the thing. And actually, it's funny that I went like the, my first two or three days using the app without knowing what the inbox was. I actually thought that it was some kind of like email integration where you could like convert emails into actions. You can do that, but no. <laughs> um, but then I, you know, I, I I looked at the help page on, on what the inbox was, and it's actually funny. It, it it starts with saying like, "Hey, if you're new to OmniFocus, this is where you should start." And I went, "Oh, okay." And then yeah, once once I understood the concept of inbox, that that was I think what really really got me going. I was already into the concept of projects and capturing things in projects, but the idea of having this just central place where just at a whim you can can add something to it knowing that you then you're not going to forget about it um so it's it's that and it's also the fact that it's very it's very no pressure in a sense you don't have to put a due date on it you don't have to say what project it belongs in you don't have to do anything about it you just, you just put in a single line and it's there and i think that's the problem with a lot of stuff where if you just do a really basic Reminders application, you just feel the pressure of, is this important enough to even be in here? Um, and also on the Mac, one thing that I'm not sure if you're using yet, uh, you can do a system-wide key command that brings up a little window that allows you to put something into the inbox without even having to open the application. Yeah, I saw I saw there was, uh, it's like a quick action window or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I actually stumbled into that today. Yeah, that I'm a big fan of. Um. Do you, so are are you the type where like, so I know like on my Mac, when I have it just open on my desk during the day, I, I have just, you know, windows perpetually open. So I have like Twitter open. I have Slack usually open. I've got Google Hangout open. I got Fantastical open. I guess for, first, do you, do you work that way or, or not? Kind of. I think I've yelled at you or I, I've lectured you in the past on this. Um, I am that way in the sense that uh, the reason why I think I, I needed a computer with 24 gigs of RAM is that I don't ever close anything ever. Uh, but I am very uh, picky about uh, doing command H to hide applications because I don't like a computer with just like 14 different applications open stacked on top of each other. I I don't mind like on the on the iMac because it's such a big screen. I don't mind having uh, Tweetbot open on the left hand side if I don't mind the distraction. But no, I generally won't. Uh, like right now, I have OmniFocus and Slack up and nothing else. But I have in my dock like fifteen things open. So when when you have OmniFocus open, what are you, are you just primarily in in the forecast view? Is that just kind of what's hanging out in the background? Ninety five percent of the time, it's focus or uh, forecast. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Because it's the easiest. Because again, it allows me to reorganize uh, things by priority, adjust due dates if I need to. It it obviates the need to um, have my calendar open because it'll show me all that stuff at the same time. Um, no, it's 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 the most useful way to do it. And again, I can do inbox items by just doing uh, Option Command O at any point in time. I'm not sure if that's the default key command, um, but yeah. And then otherwise, so it's it's not it's 85% forecast. 13% projects and then 2% inbox time. So no, it's 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 pretty good. It's it's a really great app. I think it, just that simple concept of not worrying about forgetting to do things, that, that peace of mind really means a lot. Um and the, I think the other thing I I've, I've told you numerous times in the past much to your chagrin 
I've used my inbox as sort of like a to-do list, like my, my email inbox is a to-do list. <laughs> and, you know, what I've really been trying to get in the habit of here in these, you know, first few days of using OmniFocus is, and this is, like, you know, very like Merlin Mann kind of thing, which is, you know, mail comes in, you look at it, and then there, there needs to be, there needs to be something with it. Either it's just something you dismiss, it's something that you address right away, or it's something that you you know, make a note that, hey, you've got to do something about this at some point in the future. Um, and, you know, for me, like if it fell into that latter category, it would just kind of stay in my inbox then. And I would periodically try to, you know, clear out that inbox, um, which in some ways I think is why the inbox in OmniFocus makes so much sense to me. Um, but so now what I've been doing is, you know, every time mail comes in, it, it's either, hey, I immediately archive this, I immediately respond to it, or it becomes in action in OmniFocus. And that's that that so far has been a really nice workflow. Yep, that that's great. Uh yeah, just using your inbox as as a to-do list is I understand for certain people it it works well for them, but for me that ends up just being a thing of anytime I open it to get to something that's maybe fun or I want to see ends up being bogged down by five things of, oh, now I have to do that. And I've derailed everything else I was thinking about because I now am thinking of these other things. When, again, my brain's not designed to remember or have to perpetually think about things. That's what computers are for. Right. And I think what's that's been nice early on, too, is um, having this kind of end-of-the-day task where I'll clear out my email inbox. I'll then clear out my OmniFocus inbox. And then that's that's sort of like okay, done for the day. That that has a that has a nice, um, it, it kind of it leaves you with a much more confident feeling that either I've done what I needed to do today, or I've categorized it such that I'll I'll come back to it when I need to. Um, and let me just send you a. Let me make sure there's nothing sense, or I'll just pick a really boring one. <laughs> oh, it's all your bank accounts. Great. Um, you can cut this out, or it doesn't really matter that much. Now we 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 got we got mad editing skills here now, so we will we'll cut all this together. Um, what, what is this? Some weird link. It's a virus. Yes, for a Mac specifically. Uh huh. Um. Okay. So this is. Oh, this is just a, a nice screenshot of. Okay, this is great. Yeah, I like this. So this is one thing that maybe again, it depends on how you want to use it. But as you get more advanced with it, I would explore uh, the idea of templates because what I like is to keep the project list clean and not to have unnecessary stuff in there. Um, I've made templates for a lot of things that I do routinely to just make sure I don't forget things. And I've also started something that I really like, which is called a, a weekly review, just uh, of the things I'm trying to focus on, either with work or personal life that are maybe perpetual to-dos, but are things I want to make sure I think about on a weekly basis. You can just make a nice list of single action items, and you can generate it as a project automatically whenever you want to. I don't... I, I, you lost me here. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I, I, I didn't catch most of what you said. So the te templates? Is, is, this a sta is this a standard feature? What no, no. So this is unsupported. So there's so Apple uh the Omni Group has Omni uh has Apple Script support built in, but this is not a regular feature. You can you can Google for it. it's just called OmniFocus templates. But you can just create a project uh that just you can hide in a folder somewhere. 
of things that you do frequently, like whether it's like a to-do list for uh, cleaning your apartment or um, just anything, anything you do regularly uh, that you might not want to have to generate that list of to-dos every time. And you can just uh, recreate it on the fly, and then that just keeps your inbox pretty tidy. Hmm. So that's one thing I really like. Uh, so I'm not sure if it speaks to you, but I, I've been a big fan of that. Oh, okay. Because you can also have repeating tasks inside of OmniFocus, which I find useful, but also that's not well-suited for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but that's one of my favorite features, or okay. hacked-on features. Yeah, right. Hmm. So, like in in some ways, it it's like a custom perspective in a way. No, because again, these are things like if I'm cleaning, like if I have a day off and I want to spend three hours cleaning up the apartment, this is not something I always want in my projects. So, I want to be able to do two keystrokes and have it generate the list of stuff I need to do. Oh, okay. So these are like so the, the, this is stuff that you've set up once. And then I can recreate this anytime I want to. I okay. That's okay. That's starting to make more sense now. Yeah. What is what's what's email and phone? So that's uh, that's where um, if I need to call somebody back or if I need to send somebody an email. So again, like if if I get something and I don't need to email them right back right away, and I, I'm busy doing other stuff, that allows me to say I either have to call somebody, I either need to mail something out, or I need to send an email. That's that's really smart. So yeah, I like how I have it set up. I have Active Now, which I've cleared out most of my projects because I, I had a day off recently. Uh, that's just the stuff I'm doing now. Bills and invoices, just to remind myself of the stuff I do need to pay single time because not all of my accounts support auto pay, which is the worst. Uh, day planner is where I'll do stuff that just like has to happen right now, and that's where the templates spawn out to. Email and phone for what we just talked about. Personal best is just kind of my uh, things I'm trying to improve or uh, focus on shopping list and then i have my work stuff hmm yeah and where, where how do you get these icons in there oh they're emojis oh that's so so smart no that's the thing because if you just have like a, a project list of like 10 different things it all looks the same hmm yeah you gotta use emojis and due dates judiciously but particularly emoji and you know uh i forget what the uh you have to go into um system preferences and then keyboard you have to, I don't know if you're not already doing this, you have to do a custom keyboard shortcut to bring up the emoji picker in OS X. Because emojis are hard to get to if you're not in Slack on the Mac. Yeah, that's, it's totally true. So on my, I've remapped it to be the insert key. So it's just a single click or hmm. keystroke. I think yeah, emojis are important enough to, to have a single stroke keyboard shortcut, I think. Exactly. They don't have CD drives anymore, so just change the eject key to an emoji key. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's also a really good idea. Yeah. Oh, my my Mac key, yeah, my Mac keyboard does have an eject key. I haven't thought about that. If you oh wait, are you on your laptop or your desktop? Uh, well, or you're on your <laughs> hybrid weird. You're on an external keyboard on your Mac laptop, right? That's right. Yeah. So there's a there's an app that you can use. Uh, it's a free pick of the week uh, called Better Touch Tool, which allows you to remap almost anything on your keyboard to be anything. So that's how I do that. Huh, okay. Anyway, but yeah, OmniFocus, pretty great. Yeah. I, um then this this has been this has been helpful, really helpful. Um yeah. I'm not a very good uh, s- uh spokesperson for this app, so people should really try it on their own cuz it's it's tough because a ton of people who try to talk about it will make it sound like either like they make it sound like a religion and something that's creepy 
or they explain it in a way where it's super complicated. And again, you you put it well, it's as complicated as you want to make it. Yeah, that's been um that that was the thing that that clicked with me was um you have to use it all. No. Excel I, has a thousand functions. You're maybe going to use 12 of them. Exa- exactly, totally. Um and yeah, you know, to bring up Merlin again, like he he's highlighted this too where, you know, you you don't want to be in a situation where you know, you you have this tool to help make you more efficient and then you just end up spending so much time in the tool that now you're less efficient. And that's, exactly that this tool can be that OmniFocus absolutely could be that if if you try to force yourself to use it in a way that's not natural. But if you if you just kind of let it, you just kind of let it work the way that you want it to work, then it just kind of fades into the background and it it's it's pretty wonderful. Sure. Yeah. Other than the price, I think I think it's for everybody. Yeah, but I think you know, it's funny. I I, I told the the lady friend about. I kind of ex- was showing her it the other night, um, and she thought it thought it looked looked pretty neat. But then, yeah, I, as I said, the price, and I was like, oh, oh man, which I, I get, you know, because like, so, yeah. Well, I, so here here's why I get it because this software just doesn't. It, it, it you just don't buy software like that anymore. It's it, weird though, just because like I, I it's it's Apple's fault. It's the whole App Store thing, right? Like every people think three dollars is expensive now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a good thing or it's the right thing, but it it it, it makes sense to me why why like people, people people don't remember the old days of Office Professional costing four hundred dollars. Well, like, I, mean, so, I, I vividly remember it because people would just be shocked and horrified every time they bought a new computer from me from Best Buy and they realized that Office, you know, could no longer legally be bundled in with their computer. Wait, it was really illegal. It was part of the the Microsoft antitrust. Settlement, yeah. Oh, is that why Microsoft Works isn't on anything anymore? Well, I think no. I think that's. I think Works was they they could put Works on it, but they couldn't put Office. Hmm. They they you could you could preload it with a free trial, which you could then convert into um, a full license. But you you could not have a full license of Office. You know, pre pre installed on the computer. Makes sense. But yeah, that's weird. I mean, uh, there, there are very few uh, Mac developers or software companies that are able to get away with this. But I think Omni Group, uh, they make two apps that I really rely on, OmniFocus and Omni Outliner. Um, and yeah, they're, they're worth the price. But yeah, that's I always worry about them in the sense that just there's so many people who probably skip it because of the price because there's somebody hawking a $5 to-do list app, which probably does like 60% of it. It's just not as thought out or good. Yeah, when I I'd, I'd put myself in that same category up until the last week. I think the price was definitely a big hurdle for me, um, and I st- I still kind of feel like, man, oh, man, I'm, I'm like really putting a lot of money into this thing. But I I think I think it's gonna it's gonna pay off. I mean, I think I think in some ways it already has. <laughs> oh, you're an easy sale. Yeah. Next up, Instagram. Yeah, that's free. Yeah, and dogs. Hmm. I, I do want to hear more about Omni Outliner. I, I read just a little bit about that the other day, and it, it seemed kind of intriguing. Yeah, it depends on how you work. But um, I mean, if you take a, like, but you're somebody who doesn't like meeting notes on a computer, or maybe maybe it's the software that has made that untenable for you. But I don't know what what the we, deal is. Well, so I, so it's actually something I, I've wanted to get your your take on because yeah, I, I have said a couple of times recently that I've been. Well, a just getting better about taking notes at at work, but then B, I've been taking them, you know, in in an actual like notebook, but but by hand. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, I've I've kind of gone back to to typing notes because it's when you have them in a notebook, 
there's just it just it's just not archivable. It's not you can't go back easily and find something. And so that's it's been a big negative towards having this notebook full of handwritten notes. Exactly. So is that if 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 I were to instead start taking notes, you know, back on my computer, is is on the outline or something I should be looking at? I think on the outliner is great, but before you spend like fifty or eighty dollars on that, I would probably just open TextMate again. Just get like a super bare, but like TextMate again. Like I know I give you uh, I give you crap for using Pages sometimes, but like TextMate, it's it's a it's a very powerful but dead simple text editor that like just has no. Like, there's no stuff looking at you. Like, there are tons and tons of features and options, but it's just a thing where you put text in. And you can sort it however you want to, and it's super distraction-free. And if you get more judicious about, like, hiding apps on your Mac, you you don't have that whole laptop distraction thing, which I think is a big knock people have against taking notes in meetings on a computer, is that there's perpetual distractions. Uh, what um, uh, What about drafts? Drafts is on iOS. Is it on Mac? Oh, I, I guess. Oh, I guess I didn't. I didn't look at that. I mean, th- there are a lot of um, apps like there's uh, Notational Velocity or there's the uh, NV Alt uh, fork, which Brett Terpsta works on. Um, there's Evernote. There's there's a whole lot of stuff. But um, like Omni Outliner is good because I, I like the fact that you can like organize things by like parts of a meeting or subject. It's collapsible, so you can kind of get rid of the stuff that you don't want to look at. Again, for me, I'm very picky about just kind of like compartmentalizing things. And if I see too much information at once, I get distracted or I I just start thinking about other stuff. So that's why Omni Outliner works for me. Mm, yeah, I mm, drafts isn't on on the Mac, so that's no. Not... I mean, just because drafts doesn't make sense on the Mac, it's just because that might as well just be TextMate. And does TextMate support like having you know, like folders and things like that? No. Oh. Wait, I mean, huh? Well, so that's like one of the things. That, so I've been using just like the the Notes app, and like one of the things that I like is I, I can have folders set up. So I have like a work folder, a folder for the podcast, and I can you know organize notes in e- e- each of those folders. Hmm. I guess for me, if I had once I had that many notes that would be where stuff starts getting moved into Evernote. Hmm. Like notes or drafts or something like that seems like kind of a, you have like at most like 10 different notes. Like stuff shouldn't live in notes. But that's just the way I, I think. I don't know. Whatever works for you. Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should look at Evernote. It's been, <laughs> stay, been... stay tuned. It's been been forever. I don't think I've used Evernote since college. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Does that wrap it up for the OmniFocus stuff? Yeah, I, th- I think I think it does. Okay. Um, we'll check in in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, it sticks. I th- I really think it will. I mean, it's it's one of those things where well, you're bought in. It's not that though. It's really not that. It's 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 just. It, I think it was it was incredibly encouraging how quickly it made sense. And let me uh, send you a thing. Uh, this is also, I, I think I bought this like a year and a half ago, just kind of when I was kind of getting back into it because I got kind of due date fatigue. Um, this might be worthwhile for you if you ever get stuck or um, you want to learn more about the advanced stuff. Oh, This cool. is the Mac Power User Guy. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's only 10 bucks and it's very, 
it covers the intermediate to advanced stuff very well. Yeah, no, this I, this, this is exactly what I've been looking for. Uh, I wouldn't use it yet. Okay, just because I don't know because he's. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever listened to Mac Power users, but like uh, David Sparks is is very smart and interesting, but he's super um, not nitpicky, but he he like tries to customize everything to be just a certain way. And, and this uh, too th- much. this looks like this is like the original OmniFocus. Nope, this is OmniFocus too. Oh, okay. It looks yeah. The screenshot looks old. I, I think it was back when like because uh, OmniFocus two it came out in like 2012. That's the thing. You won't be stuck buying a new version because Om- like the Omni Group has very long development cycles. So you're not gonna get like OmniFocus three sprung up on you in like four months. Mm-hmm. Watch that totally happen. No, it won't. Yeah, <laughs> um, you, you have no idea how long it took for OmniFocus two to come out. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I I had absolutely no idea that you've been using this since 08. I thought it was much more recent than that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, OmniFocus didn't have forecasts until OmniFocus 2. They were dark days. Wow. Um, the other thing I've been thinking about doing is I, I, I think Merlin and Dan did like a, a set of back-to-work episodes that were focused on OmniFocus, like pretty early on in that show's history. And I, I, I think I listened to them, but then, just, you know, it's kind of just, you know went over my head and I've been thinking maybe I should like go back and listen to those too. Having this context now. Maybe. I think that might be tough in audio, but maybe let me know if it's good. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm not making that up, right? They did like a series of episodes that were like kind of the getting things done slash omni focus. I think so. But whenever, uh, whenever Merlin starts talking about uh, getting things done, copyright David Co or whatever, that's uh, it. When it gets too much into the GTD stuff, that's, that's cause I, I don't use it that way. No, you me me either. Yeah, me so I either. think that's what he talks a lot about. To me, I think if I that's where so I think that's where I I, I thought this app was going to go wrong for me is I I thought that it was going to turn into an app that just made me feel like I was constantly behind on everything, and that's not that's not at all how I feel when using the app. No, but I could see I could see how that would happen. Sure. You got, you got me totally rethinking. I just I want to go through every one of my actions now and like rethink the way that I've done due dates. That's gonna that's gonna be a that's that's gonna be a a task. Again, I don't think it's a task. It's just again, just treat it like it must like bad things happen if it must be done. Right. That again, that's why I don't get like put a lot of stuff in my calendar unless it means I have to have like my butt in a certain place at that time. Otherwise, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Like on, let me let me send you one last thing before we wrap this up. This is one thing Merlin posted a long time ago, and this is where I think he's maybe a little a little nuts on this. Like that's his context list. Oh my goodness! Like that's where I think you can, uh, like iterate or just uh, kill, like just kind of kill this kind of system. Right. That might work for him, but yeah. Right. And that that's yeah see that's to me where that would just start to feel overwhelming yeah so don't do that no 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 um so i guess so one so one last thing before we move off of this where where where's your place where if you like if you find like a, ran, a random link or it's, again it's something that's like not actionable but like something that you just kind of want to just remember or kind of keep on hand like where where does that go give me an example i like a, a link is 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 the best 
I don't know the best example that comes to mind. I mean, if it's just an article I want to read at some point in time, I just hit the share sheet and it goes into Instapaper. Yeah. If it's a bookmark, I will use Pinboard, which is kind of like, I don't know if you ever used Delicious back in the day, but that's just kind of where I throw bookmarks. But otherwise, um, no, you can uh, integrate OmniFocus into the share sheet, and then the URL is automatically appended as a note. And then you can just say, read about this later. Or if I find a, a recipe, like tonight I made uh, pizza pretzels. That's something that I, inside of Safari, oh, did, threw did, did you make? Did you make the one from Tasty? From, yeah, BuzzFeed Tasty. Oh, I, uh, the lady friend and I made those a couple weeks ago. Uh, let me, uh, again, this is going to be the longest conversation ever, but let me uh, send you a picture of how good or bad it ended up looking. Yeah, I know. It, it, that's, that's, uh, did we talk about that or did we just independently both make those? No, I started following them on Instagram and I saw that maybe a week and a half ago and I was like, oh yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's all that they were great. They came out really well. Yeah, I overcooked mine. Mm. Like they weren't. Uh, they weren't like super brown, but they were they were crunchier or oh yeah sure. Anyway, uh, but yeah no just uh yeah just say like I, I want to read this or con- like just make an inbox item that says consider this or yeah hmm, okay just don't overthink it okay and then again rounding out this topic this is my uh, p- pizza pretzel the shape uh. I will. I will not be getting a job at Wetzel Pretzel anytime soon. Oh, uh, that that that's about that's about how mine looked. the The lady friends was beautiful. She did a really nice job with her. <laughs> Wait, you guys each did your own? Of course. <laughs> okay. Um, mine mine was kind of mine. Mine looked a lot like yours. <laughs> Again, mine like I tried to get fancy and I did like an extra twist in the middle, but then it kind oh, of just you, glommed onto you, each other. You did. Oh, that's see that you're, that's getting cocky. <laughs> and it failed. It you, is a really, you, really thick thing of dough. I, just to, to be, you got what was coming to you. Just to, just to be blunt about it. That's true. Again, it, it'll. I'll try it again soon. It'll get better. Yeah. My homemade pizzas are, are on point, so I'm, I'm sure I can fix this. Hmm. All right. Sponsor break. Uh, yeah, yeah. I do. Tell me about something you like. Sure. This week is sponsored by Casper Overpriced Mattresses. Should should be should be uh, sponsored by uh, the Omni Group. For goodness sake, I don't. I do they? I know Smile Software. No, does. I think that was that was always the joke on uh, Back to Work. Was oh, is so that they never sponsored? Because why? Why? Why would they? Right. <laughs> They're getting all this free airtime. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. Let's move this somewhere else. Let's see. So I, I, I've got another topic. I mean, if, if unless you, you know, I, unless you want to do something, it's it's your show. No, no, go for it. So there was something on a. I don't know if it was on the. It, well, it wasn't this one with Merlin, the the, the talk show with Merlin, because I haven't even listened to that whole thing. So it might have been the episode before that. I know it's not. That's not important. But um, and Gruber said something that really I don't know just didn't make sense to me at all. So he was talking about the, um, I guess this must have been the, his year in review episode that I listened to a little late. Because um, he was talking about the iPhone battery case. And what, what that evolved into was a discussion on, you know, comparing Apple's offering with what, what else is out there in terms of iPhone battery cases. And so they talked, you know, predictably a lot about Mophie. And Gruber knocked like the biggest complaint that he had with Mophie was that there was too much choice. Like there were too many different options that they provided consumers. 
and that he felt that it was actually a an advantage of the iPhone battery case. There was only one version of it. I think you know the only choice you really make is the color, and that's it. And that that's that's better than going to Mophie's website and having to choose from a bunch of different options. That that's actually detrimental to um, the experience. And I I really really disagree with that. Um, and I, I want to see like am I am I crazy for thinking that way, or do you actually do you agree with Gruber? I don't think you're crazy for thinking that way because I also think that way, but I think we're both wrong. Hmm. Because so I mean because I've owned many Mophie cases because again the the damn iPhone battery life they keep making the thing thinner and instead of just keeping it the same to the point where it's uncomfortably thin and still doesn't last a day. But no, I've had many Mophie cases and they have now I think for the iPhone six they have the Juice Pack Reserve which is the one I have that does sixty percent battery. They have the uh, Helium which is eighty percent. The Air that's one hundred percent. The plus that's one hundred twenty percent, and the ultra that's one hundred fifty percent, and they all come in like six colors. So I think that does maybe give the customer too much choice. And I think there's a lot of things where a, you have to be really cautious about doing that, unless you're a super like pro or like prosumer type brand. And I'm not sure Mophie really is because I think having a phone that doesn't last all day is a is a is not a unique concern and it kind of spans even the most basic user of somebody who just maybe like a, a contractor somebody who just mainly uses their phone for calls and email but is on the phone all day long and it's just not lasting to the like super user like somebody like i don't know somebody uh, not not me but somebody who's just super on social media all day long or something like that but like i think there are too many options i, I appreciate that because i'm a nerd but I think that overcomplicates a product category, and I think I don't think that excuses the ugly, weird battery case that Apple decided to churn out. But I think having too many options is a problem. Hmm. I I don't. But I think I but know. I think Apple skews they they go in the opposite direction of too little choice, except in the fact that Apple still sells all these weird models that are are old and slow, just because they're trying to hit every price point possible. But I think Apple will generally offer too little choice for a lot of things. So it's 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 striking a good balance. I don't know. I just I, I feel like arguing that there's too much choice is, is giving the consumer too little credit. I think you should uh take a vacation from your job, go get a temp job at Best Buy again and visit with the public. <laughs> and and tell maybe, me what you think. Maybe I'm I'm too many years removed away from my uh, Best Buy days. I just think you could who who is it? P. T. Barnum, which is the one. No, nobody's ever gone broke of underestimating the intelligence or overestimating the intelligence of the American consumer. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, ugh, I like. I, I totally get the concern because as somebody who's picky and fiddly and and wants the the nicest of everything and would doesn't want like it's kind of like like the Goldilocks thing. Like you you want the choice to be able to pick what's perfect for you, but a lot of times you need somebody. Again, like Steve Jobs is most famous and why, why he was so important in a lot of ways is he was a fantastic editor and he was able to kind of distill down complicated products into just kind of the bare essentials of what people need and want. Like the iPod was very simple because it was just one thing and it occasionally came in different capacities. And then eventually, as people understood it, the product line grew, whereas Creative and Rio and all those other people that were making MP3 players offered like 
six different lines of MP3 players. Some of them were flash-based. Some of them had hard drives. Some of them had color screens or not. And they were all just... It was, I think, maybe too much choice for a lot of people, and that's maybe why technologies don't take off. So I think there is something to be said for being judicious about what you make and what you offer customers. So, yeah. Yeah, the the, the point about Steve Jobs, that, that part of it, I guess is where it maybe it does make a little more sense but mm, i don't know it's 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 an uncomfortable if it's an uncomfortable thing to say that that too much choice is a bad thing like that just doesn't when i say that that just doesn't ring true yeah again just think you're not the nor- the general public yeah but i i, yeah, I don't want to think that way either though but you should yeah i, sh- I shouldn't though you got <laughs> you got to stay humble that's important no i'm not saying humbleness like I, I again, I think in a lot of ways I'm a worse customer, like like than most people, just because I am kind of picky about things. And I, I think again, for most people, if you give them too many options, they'll just say screw it. Like I think that's why, like TiVo is not a great example, but I think there are a lot of things where if you just if there's too much involved in selecting something, like you just it, most people will just think it's not worth the effort, or they won't invest the time to even understand it, and then no sale happens. Hmm. I think PC laptops. Do you think anybody ever makes an informed decision? No, because there's too much choice. And most of the choices are bad ones. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I could see I, I could see the argument being made that you, by allowing people to make the wrong decision, you could ultimately lead to a worse user experience, but I don't know. Because you can't provide tons of options and have them all be great options. That generally doesn't happen. Hmm. yeah okay so speaking of that do you want to okay do you want do you want like so it's gonna be an apple heavy section i think so do you want to talk about the uh the five se and kind of just what uh according to mark german what the product roadmap for apple kind of looks like for the next uh nine months yeah yeah give me give me the rundown so it looks like in March, there's going to be a, a refresh of a couple of things. Uh, you, we all know that Apple tried with the 5C to try to make it a mid-range to kind of lower-end phone model that wasn't just the old thing. And it looks like they're trying that again, but this is going to be an iPhone 5SE, not to be confused with the Mac SE30 uh, from 1991. Uh, and it's supposed to be an iPhone 5S that has slightly curved glass for some reason. Uh, but it's going to kind of have the specifications of a 6 and a 6S, sort of. So it'll have live photos. It will have um, uh, Apple Pay and NFC and that kind of stuff. It won't have 3D touch, and it won't have the 12-megapixel camera, or at least I don't think it will. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be kind of a, a, a mid-range phone for people who still like the 4-inch form factor. And then on top of that, they're going to be doing a small refresh to the Apple Watch, uh, but it'll still be the old slow hardware, uh, just with new new bands, and allegedly there might be an iPad Air three this spring. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that that says it all. And you know, Gurman's had a pretty remarkable track record the last couple of years, so I kind of just assume that this is all <laughs> this is all true. Um, and that was sort of the approach that um, Mike and Jason took on this week's episode of Upgrade. They spent a lot of time talking about this stuff. And, you know, Jason kind of made the, the point, which I think is maybe a little harsh, but it's, it's also true, which is 
it feels weird to have an event where you're basically just releasing, you know, within the case of the iPhone, you're basically releasing like a new version of an old phone. And with the iPad Air 3, you're just releasing a smaller version of an existing model. Like, and then when well, the case I, I of, hope it's not smaller. Well, it's smaller than the iPad Pro. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then with the Apple Watch, you're you know you're basically coming out with new colors for bands and maybe a band that's made of a, a different material. Like, it put, puts I guess kind of cynically like that. It just does it feel like that 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 stuff is really event worthy? Well, I mean, I think I think since the era of 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 good Apple and and growth Apple is over. Oh. So I, I, I think they should make an event for anything. It's 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 appropriate that in this you know era where Apple's now in this, this tailspin that they, they would they would have their first ba- you know bad event. I guess that that does make sense. I hate every, listening to. Uh, it's really tough to watch like financial news or or any or read anything on the internet when like it, they've been so. We'll save it, but they've been so massively successful, and the fact that that's slowing due to weird economic conditions and also that they've sold just an improbable number of phones the past couple of years that everybody thinks the company's over. Yeah. That the, anyway, the, the concept of either you're growing or you're dead in the stock market is, I, I don't want to get into it on the show, but it's just, it's something that ugh, drives me crazy. Yeah. And I, and, and specifically in the case of Apple, you, you, you sent a link this week. I don't know if we'll get into it, but it was with the, the Google Apple stuff um, out of the Oracle case. Um, but they, they had capitalized the I and iPhone in one of the articles that you sent me. And I just, I, I just, I can't, I, I can't, I can't take that article or anything else that website puts out seriously now about Apple. Up until one year ago, like I think the New York times would do capital I hyphen phone. <laughs> no way really i didn't i've never I, noticed that i forget when the style guide or whatever they did change but like the, the new york times I, th- I think they're one of the, like the pick your papers where they will like always do things according to that and they just ignored it for the iphone for a super long time and it, it always drew me it, it drove me nuts that's awful yeah but anyway, so back, back to the 5 SE and stuff um like yeah i back in when the iphone 6 came out i think i was one of those uh whiners that was saying oh i, I don't like the big phone and if they made a, a faster, uh, smaller phone, I would totally take it. But no, I think I've gotten very used to the size of the 6 and the 6S and that I would not want to go down. Occasionally, I'll use a, a colleague's uh, iPhone 6S Plus, and then I'll be like, no, this is way too big. But no, anytime I touch a 5 or a 5S, I, 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 my thumbs just don't remember how to operate a keyboard that narrow. Yeah, I mean, totally. And I, I actually feel, I think I've said this on the show, that if I, you know, with the iPhone 7, let's say, were to go for the plus model i totally wouldn't like it probably for the first month or two but but eventually i i would get used to it and i would never be able to go back to a smaller screen but it's still the wrong choice one i'm not at all saying it's the right choice i'm just saying i I think that's what would happen because and i feel like that mirrors exactly what you just said about going from the 5s to the 6 yeah i think the plus is a little bit of an extreme but 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 sure um, and then the watch redesign. So I just have a question about that. Are you happy that no, like pretend like just pretend that the uh, revision two of Apple watch is ready by March. Would you prefer it in March or would you prefer it in September? I'd prefer it in March. 
Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Like, I, I, I dislike this one so much in the sense that it's so slow, particularly with the workout app, and I've talked at length about that. But also, I think a year or actually 11 months is too, it's too soon. I think 18 months feels a lot better. Even though I know it's irrational that you could have something nicer, allegedly under this, um, under this hypothetical, but no, I, I think 18 months feels a lot better. Yeah, I, I, I don't get offended when newer versions of products come out and usurp what I currently have. Like I'm all about progress and pro- progress to me is seldom ever bad and so for this particular product i i i strongly believe that the watch should not be a an every year product i i don't disagree with that and i would say that if by waiting until september if we get something that's more of a significant upgrade as opposed to if we got something in march and it was more of a marginal upgrade like if, if that extra six months is going to make a you know, sizable difference, then I, then yeah, I think that then becomes worth it. But I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not happy that it's delayed or, you know, not delayed, but not coming out until September as a way of helping me validate the $300 that I spent on my current watch. How much? 300, right? Or three, 350, I guess. That was four. Anyway. I think well, it doesn't the the sport is I thought the 38 was I thought the 38 millimeter was 350 and the 42 was 400 for the sport. Oh, you might be right. I think you are anyway. right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, and then the Air 2 or sorry, Air 3. That's really interesting and I and I thought about that like if all it added was just a slightly faster processor and and Apple Pencil support, even though I'd really want that, I can't justify the upgrade just due to how even though I like my iPad, just how infrequently I use it. Yeah, that that's how I am too, and I have said a couple times on the show about how I think note taking it would be really interesting. But if if I kind of make this transition into kind of typed notes, if that really sticks, then you know there goes that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not an artistic type. I I, I don't doodle like I I wouldn't I don't know what I would do with the Apple Pencil so yeah for me and and also just in more generally I think what you just said totally resonates with me too where I just don't use my iPad much so the idea of spending a sizable amount of money upgrading it you know and and, and for me I'm still really I'm torn between the Air and the Mini I, I've had the Mini now for a couple of revisions um I I you, I don't know. I, I I go back and forth between those two sizes. Yeah. Uh again, so the uh, the iPad Air uh, like I I think the Air or the 10-inch is is the best form factor. The Pro makes no sense to me. Uh and the Mini is just it's just too darn small. Uh but the the yeah, I really like it. Uh I like the iPad, but it it's invaluable to me the couple of times a month I use it, but that's about all it gets used. Unless I'm solving a crossword or playing Alta's adventure. I, you know, I use it, I, I use it occasionally here in the apartment just to do some reading, to do some light web browsing or looking through Twitter. But, you know, a, a lot of times I just continue doing that stuff on my phone, even when I'm at home. Sure. Okay. Um, do you want to talk briefly about uh, Apple's earnings or not really? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like. I feel like the 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 main point I wanted to make was just the concept that 
if you were no longer a growth story, you're you're a disaster. I mean, I feel like that's that's the the punchline from this round of earnings, and I just it's just such an unfair it's an unfair position. It's 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 ridiculous, I think. So I, that, that's 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 really all that that's my only takeaway, really. I mean, I guess I guess looking at the numbers, like I mean, okay, let's get into it a little bit. I mean, I, I guess you know, looking at the numbers, the the, the iPad stuff is is interesting. Um, you know, Mike on Upgrade had kind of speculated, and I, I I didn't think this was entirely unreasonable that you know maybe maybe the iPad Pro would you know both increase iPad revenue and then you know at least maybe well, slow down the decline. Can we jump on that real quick? Yeah. So I was listening to this week's upgrade, and I th- in I think both Mike and Jason kind of went on this. And maybe I'm just weird, and I know they don't break it down by exact product skew, but I think it's nuts and just really weird that certain people would think the iPad Pro was ever going to make a dent or slow down the drop-off in iPad sales. Because it's just so expensive and also, for most people, the wrong choice. So I just found it really weird that they were marked upon that being, like that was a, like a legitimate product that was going to reignite the iPad or slow down the 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 trail off of iPad sales. Well, I, I guess, like I said at the top, I, I don't think it was an entirely unreasonable position to take, but I, I do think that their own personal affection towards the device, I think, colored what they reasonably thought would be the broad impact. And and to be frank about it, I mean, you could say that about a lot of the about tech coverage, where I, I think. We we frequently overstate as nerds the impact that some of the stuff that we use has on regular people. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, what's what's the phone story? I mean, the the phone story is is growth has has basically stopped. I mean, so year over year, iPhone sales were only up about a percent. Um, and Apple for the first time. I I think since the iPhone was released is now guiding for um a, a decrease in year over year sales. So you know Apple of course very cyclical company does a ton of business during the, the holidays which you know confusingly is their fiscal Q1. Um but um so really when you're looking at at earnings you really want to do those year over year comparisons and that's I guess that's true of a, a lot of companies but you know especially with Apple and, and with retailers, I guess. Um, so this will be the first time that they, they've, they've um, forecasted, uh, again, a year-over-year decline in iPhone sales. And, you know, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, again, like, you're talking about the world's most profitable company and the world's largest company by market cap. I mean, I just... I share your frustration, and I, and I understand when... And I know it'll never happen, but like it's it's one of those questions where you think like, oh, like wouldn't it be nice if they were a private company where some like just somebody is happy to enjoy a, a business where they're making I forget what the gross profit margin was this quarter, but like thirty six percent across product lines or whatever it happens to be, just earning metric buttloads of money on selling a product that most people again I have my my fault my complaints, but regard as a pretty good product that has the highest return customer rate like just i don't know it 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 is very very frustrating to think that 
just because the law of large numbers eventually does come into effect where there's on a percentage basis, when you have so many customers and you're selling so many units and there are just limits to how many you can manufacture and how many people can eventually buy what you're selling, like, yeah, eventually that percentage is going to slow down. And with China slowing down, currency issues and all that kind of stuff, we might see the first quarter, uh, year over year or quarter decline in iPhone sales in a while. But I mean, stuff happens. It's incredibly healthy and profitable business anyway. Right. Um, and, you know, I do. So the the one part I, I will agree with is. How do I phrase this? So I, I I do think there there's some validity to having the discussion of okay you know what's what's after the iPhone, and I I think maybe where it gets taken to a place that I that I don't like is where it becomes like an immediate thing. It's like Apple must figure this out tomorrow or next quarter or even you know even next year or the next couple of years. Like I I don't think that's the timeline they're up against. Um. But I, I do think it is a valid question of kind of what's next, because I mean we we know in technology that nothing stays on top forever, and I think Apple knows that too. Windows um, did. Well, yeah, yes. No, it, no, no. I'm, I'm, that was a half joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, well, yes and no. It kind of did. It kind of, it kind really. of did. It kind of did. Right, but yeah, not not in the way that it used to. Not right, and it, with mobile and all that, not really. But but I, I see what you're saying on on desktops. Yes, that's true. I guess. So I, I do think that's a, I, I think that's a valid question. And if you if you were an investor, um, which thank goodness I, I I no longer am with Apple stock after what's been happening so far in 2016, um, you know you you can ask that question. Um, but I just the the urgency f- which people feel like apple needs to answer the question that that's that's also a part that i i don't quite get sorry say that again like i i, I don't think i think apple needs to have an answer of what's what's next what's what's post iphone but i don't think they need to have that answer tomorrow yeah i think that's true but but i i understand where concern keeps cropping up because two of the post like uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was 68% of all revenues were associated with the iPhone this quarter. And by all accounts, I mean, again, Apple doesn't break it out specifically because of Apple Watch and Apple TV just fall under other. Apple Watch is probably kind of a disappointment. Again, I'm sure they sold tons of them to the holidays and a lot of them won't ever get worn. But that's probably a little bit of a, a, a dud. And I think most nerds would suggest that the first one's not very good. Um, And then the iPad, which was supposed to be one of the next big products and kind of the last product that Steve Jobs released or was kind of mainly under his guidance, is shrinking in a lot of ways, mainly because the upgrade cycles are so long with that type of product. So... I don't think it's like a doom and gloom story, but I think there is a bit of a reason to kind of wonder what is next because the company's fortunes are so tied to a single product when you think that 68% of revenues are for that. I understand that you would say that um, like that services like that, that iTunes and the App Store and, and Apple Pay and so many other things, like they, they are small percentages of total revenues for Apple, but they are businesses that individually 
would be bigger than most other very respectable companies. But again, it's it's a valid concern to have. I just think the narrative of it's over is 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 silly. Yeah, I think I think we're saying the same thing. I, I, the um, percentage of total revenue that the iPhone represents for Apple highlights how important it is that Apple figure out you know what's next. Um, but you know, again, just I don't don't quite understand the sense of urgency around that question because Apple still is such a healthy, profitable business. Yep. All right, let's turn through a couple of other things. Okay. Um, so what's the deal? I didn't actually read this. What, what was the, the deal with uh, the $36 estimate for ESPN as a standalone service? Um, yeah, I, I, let, me, let me pull up this. Let me pull up that article here. Um, um, well, you can, you can search in Slack. I've never really used that before. Um, I don't know if it's really going to help me, though. Oh, yeah, this is actually kind of helpful. Oh, yeah, nice. Okay, so this is a... <laughs> I've never used that before. Um, so this is a, an article from from Recode, and the, the title is, Would You Pay $36 a Month for ESPN? And so basically what this is is a report that was put out um, by Moffat Nathanson, I guess. Um, basically what they were... What they would figure out through some calculation they came up with based on like the num- the amount of money that um the provider gets from cable providers kind of like what what their again like what Comcast would pay like ESPN to carry ESPN and then factoring in like what their percentage of audience reaches what their kind of like market rate would be for a standalone price and so by running the numbers, they came up with ESPN having a $36.30 monthly fee. Um, the only thing that's weird about this chart is how much higher ESPN is than everything else, because then the, the next highest is TNT at $8.95. So, I mean, it's, it's widely known that per household or per subscriber, most MSOs are paying Disney about 7 bucks a month for ESPN. Where or the the ESPN family of channels, whereas the like the next closest is usually like a dollar or two for TNT or Disney. So I think that maybe that's what they're going for. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. Because it's it's insane how much ESPN costs, and also in the sense that a lot of people who are charged for ESPN probably don't watch it, which in turn subsidizes the price for everybody else. Right. So if it went over the top, it would be very expensive right and that that's yeah this article supports that right where it's it's saying you know six dollars and ten cents is what a cable provider on average is paying disney for espn whereas like tnt which again was the next highest on this list is is, is estimated to be a dollar fifty so yeah. so what would you i mean it well so it, it this is a it's a hard thing because <laughs> I get the math behind how they came up with these numbers, but like, you know, so then it's like, if, if I were to think about like, so another channel that I would be interested in having is Food Network, right? And, you know, per this chart, they came up with a kind of implied a la carte price of $1.64, which of course, <laughs> Food Network's not going to come out with a over-the-top service that costs a buck sixty-four a month. 
So if to me, like I wouldn't be able to answer the question of ESPN in isolation. I, I would need to know what's this all in going to cost me. Like if, if I come up with a list of 10 channels that I want to watch, how much is that in total going to be? Because you're it, right. Your regular cable bill. That's the whole point of cable. It's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna be more than that, I think. But, but that's the point, which is fine. If ESPN came out with a monthly service that was twenty bucks a month, fine. But in order for me to be able to cancel my cable service, I also want to be able to watch all the other channels that I that I see, and you know, a assuming that those channels are even available standalone, which many of them aren't, or over the top, as as you say. Um. What's the, again? What's that total going to be when you add all those up? And I, I would be very surprised if that total came out to be something less than what I'm paying Comcast currently. Sure, and yeah, I mean it's it's really tricky. Again, I'm I'm one of the, I'm somebody of the opinion that at least with my negotiated rate, a cable is still a pretty decent value for me. And and I I think people just again it goes back to the app store problem and just nobody wants to think about what things actually cost and there's no like espn and this kind of stuff is only cheap relatively because they make it up in volume and it wouldn't be if people got to pick and choose because people are fairly uh thrifty or, or or cheap about this kind of stuff so i i think it's it's a big to be seen thing and i think what make complicates this is that espn has spent so much money uh based on the premise of them riding high and being in like 90% of households and getting this $7 a month from cable providers that they've spent tons and tons of money on college football and uh, some NBA games and their partnership with ABC for uh, the NBA and during the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Like they've spent a ton of money and they need to have the revenue from subscribers to make up for that. So it can all of a sudden just become cheap because they have contracts that go through like the early 2020s. Hmm. So tricky i don't know i i want to I, I dropped in the slack this week just as another example of a, a trend or a recurring theme on this show that we bring up all the time which is i just don't understand people's excitement around you know cord cutting like if, if you don't watch tv at all and you want to cut the cord like I, I get that but like if you're someone who like wants to cancel your cable service because you think you're going to be able just to pay for individual channels cheaper I, I I just don't I don't get that at all because the the math there's no math that supports that. Very true. Um, okay, so I I go, I, got, I got another thing I want to ask you about, which is so you you put in a topic about um, your exact phrase was phrase was does the six S have known Bluetooth issues? Um, which I thought was kind of it, it, it's interesting because I, I I think I've had some of the similar experiences you've had, but but. Tell me, tell me what you've seen. No, just it's just the success is. Uh, I don't know if maybe I'm going nuts, but it seems like in my in my car, and it's and I, it's not just my car because it also sometimes happens on my uh, on my uh, Bose Sound like Mini, and sometimes with my Beats, it just seems to skip and stutter and just get weird. And, and I and I don't know if I better explain it, but I think get weird is the easiest, uh, or it just makes the most sense. But it seems to get weird more than any phone I've had. And I just want to know if that was a thing, because I haven't heard much about it, but it just that seems to be my experience. So yes. So that that's when you 
your timing of sending this to me was interesting because I, I mentioned last week on the show that I, I have these these bows around your headphones that I've been using now for my commute to work. And one of the things I've noticed is in the same spot downtown every morning when I when I get off the bus and I'm walking to BART around the same area around Market Street, the the Bluetooth goes nuts, like it it cuts in and out. Um, and it just kind of sounds terrible. And it's like it's, it's the same spot every day, so it's I I don't know if it's just interference or what, but it it's super annoying. But does it stay that way? Because for me, it when it sometimes it'll just get the stuttering will just happen for a few seconds, but then maybe every ten seconds there's kind of like a weird noise that happens afterward until I turn off Bluetooth and turn it back on. No, no, it goes back to normal usually. Hmm. Um, but I've also seen it with my Apple Watch too, where you just here in my apartment, my Apple Watch will kind of randomly just lose connection with my iPhone. It only seems to happen here in the apartment, and it, it's when I sometimes even when I like I have I still have line of sight to the phone, like my my watch will just disconnect, like the, like there's some type of interference with the Bluetooth signal. So yeah, I don't. I know Bluetooth is Bluetooth is just it's just not there. It just it never has been, and it it continues not to be. Which, like we spent a lot of time talking about either last week or the week before, is what makes the concept of not having the headphone jack on the iPhone such a bummer. Is because the technology that would kind of presumably replace that by and large is just it's just not very good. It's it it not only is it not better than what's already there, it's actually measurably worse. Yeah, rather than Apple getting rid of uh, the, the damned headphone jack uh, on that, what I would much rather them do if they want to go all adventurous and maybe be super forward thinking, which everybody seems to want to give them credit for, why not introduce a, even if it's proprietary, don't even care, uh, uh, Apple wireless technology, AWT. Just, just, just do that and make a better version of Bluetooth that allows Apple Watch to do more, that makes Bluetooth audio not stink. Why, why just do that so would, would this be like in conjunction with also supporting bluetooth yes okay yeah I, I, well i mean eventually they would drop it but yeah again because bluetooth is never it's never really been good like i don't really have as much issue with pairing and things that other people do but it, it's it's never been great the audio quality is still lackluster at best i mean i my sound like mini sounds pretty great but that's because you're not standing right up next to it like bluetooth wireless headphones I don't care for a ton just because the the sound quality is it is noticeably worse. But yeah, why why can't they fix that? Hmm. Again, it don't don't get me started on this iPhone seven headphone jack thing. But just focus on the big problems. All right. Don't don't make it thinner. Stop it. <laughs> All right. A uh, couple other. Well, actually, let's do um, let's do an off topic one. Let's steal a, a, a topic from uh, last week's Clockwise podcast. Okay. So, uh, I liked it. I think it was Merlin's question. Uh, what app in your life is just the absolute worst, but there's no better option, so you still use it? Mm-hmm. You go first. Yeah, I liked this topic on Clockwise. Um, so, uh, I don't feel good about this choice, but um, for me, it's it's one password on Windows. 
So, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate. <laughs> there's a version you, on Windows? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's, um, if you have to pay separately for it. Uh, as you should. Yeah, as you should, yeah. It's your penance. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm all in on 1Password, have been for years, and everybody should be. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome. Well, it, it's awesome. It's awesome on iOS and it's awesome on OS 10. Um, it, it is less awesome on Windows. Um, but to, but in being honest, other than Office, isn't everything less awesome on Windows? Yes, and I I could in a lot of ways I could I could almost change this answer to saying Excel on Windows only because the fact that it's so much better on windows is what forces me to have windows in the first place. Um, what do you mean Excel on Mac? No, I'm I'm saying that Excel on windows is so good that it forces me to have a windows based computer. And if I could just, you know, True. anyway, okay. anyway, so yeah, so one password on, on windows is it, it's a, it's not a very nice looking app, which I could overlook if it also worked, but everything about it the the way that you create new logins like that that whole interface is is just clunky and kind of awful i have a recurring issue which it seems like it happens less often than it used to but still does pop up every once in a while where the chrome plugin will just randomly stop working like i'll I'll click on it and then just just nothing will happen um i'll reboot you know cancel chrome get or exit chrome nothing only thing that'll work is I'll delete the one password extension in Chrome and then reinstall it and then it then it works fine. But I but I need it, right? Like I I I can't just not use one password on a machine that I use predominantly throughout the day. So I, I still need to access all those passwords. And you know, un- unfortunately, it's just not a very good experience in Windows. Yeah, that was not what I was expecting. But hmm. It's good they have it on Windows. I mean, right. I mean, it's... it's. So wait, the right. app is fine. Wait, is it mainly the app is fine? It's just the, the extensions aren't great on it? No, the, the, the app itself, like creating the, the credit new login screen is, is, is clunky. Um, it's, it's, not nearly, it's, not, it's not nearly as smooth of a process as it is in, in the OS X version and the iOS version. I mean, to, to be honest, actually, the best version of 1Password is the iOS version. It's even better than the OS X version, I think. Disagree. Okay. Okay. But anyway... Okay. So what's yours? So mine, uh, I think there are a couple of ties, so I'll just pick one at random. Uh, Homer's text me. Because, um, hmm. yeah, I think I would say Evernote uh, <laughs> followed shortly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Stay tuned for the rest of it. Yeah. Evernote is good-ish. Not really. Um it gets the job done, and there's nothing else that I can think that does what it does and synchronizes so well across different platforms. But just the app itself is just the worst, particularly on on OS X. Like it's an, I don't want to discourage you from trying it, but it just it could be so much better. And just the fact that they've tried to shoehorn random features, like they have this feature called Work Chat that they keep trying to like, it's, it's like this weird, it's not even like a Slack competitor, but it's like this, I don't know if it's trying to imitate Google docs or what it's even doing, but they just uh, forced it into the app. And up until like three months ago, there was no way to disable it. So you just had all this, uh, like this button in the toolbar that said uh, new work chat 
and stuff on the sidebar. There was so much weirdness that they tried to force in there. It's it's kind of slow. It's it's just not it's just not very good. But it it keeps on working. Like I have all my workflows set up around it. When I scan something using the scan snap, it spits for a, a PDF that's OCR directly into Evernote. It's automatically uh, encrypted and password protected onto all my iOS devices. It it does what I want. It's just not very good. So yeah, I still recommend that you try it because there's nothing better, and it does serve a purpose. But it's it's not that good. Well, and to to get back to my point about uh, what I was just talking about with one password and having to use it on Windows, one of the other things that's sadly appealing about Evernote to me is I'd be able to use it across both Windows OS 10 and iOS, which which is unfortunately my my reality. Yeah, give it a try. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's I, worth, I think I will. It's worth the five dollars a month. Um, and then my, my quick runner up is a, is an app called, uh, Minotaur, uh, that I use, uh, to set timers and keep myself on track on OS 10, but it's, uh, I think the term is abandonware. It hasn't been updated since, uh, 2009. So it is, oh, it is, man. it is not retina. It has the world's ugliest icon that I've had to change, but nobody else makes a, um, a timer application for Mac that, uh, is this simple or works this well. Hmm. So yeah, that one I wish somebody would um, <clears throat> make a, make a, a new version of. Yeah, not non Retina apps on a Retina screen. It's tough. There are like four apps that I still use, it, it, and the only other one that I see on a regular basis is the uh, Scan Snap Manager for uh, my scanner. But that's pretty easy to ignore. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, let's. So I think. The the two things to to wrap this up, we're going a little long, which is which is okay. I think this been this has been a, a good one. We're due. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. So I wanted to ask you about Airtable. Are you you mentioned last week that you were kind of getting into that, and that you might have some more to say this week? Um. Are are you ready for that this week, or do you want to table it again? <laughs> oh, that was bad. Sure. Let, let's table it again. I, I've I've definitely decided that it is not good for grocery lists. Hmm. So I'm moving back to OmniFocus for that. Uh, so no, let's table it for next week. I'm still feeling it out. Uh, they released their iPad version of it uh, late last week. So that that's kind of cool. Uh, but no, I still need more time with it. Okay. Um, so then the, the last thing that I had before we do picks of the week, and then we'll, we'll wrap up is, um, so EA announced that they're they're not, they're not going to have a presence on the E3 show floor um, this week, um, which uh, this is the first time in 20 years that's been the case. They apparently outside of like Microsoft and Sony and maybe even compared to Microsoft and Sony had the, the most floor space and kind of the way that E3 works from what I understand is your space on the show floor is yours sort of like in perpetuity. So you, you're guaranteed to get it every year. But then if you give it up, you're, you're really, you're giving it up. Like the only way that you can come back is if there just happens to be another space open. So this is kind of a, kind of a big move. I mean, EA, even putting aside just the sheer like square footage of their exhibit or of their booth, they are the kind of the biggest player in games outside of like Microsoft and Sony. I mean, of course there's Activision too, which is right there with them, but like EA is a, EA is a big deal. Um, and to me, this story, and so I, I should also say that what they're doing instead is they're doing a public uh, pre-E3 event where 
they're actually going to have an event both in London and Los Angeles in the days leading up to E3 where they're actually going to make this open to the public, which E3 technically isn't, although it's fairly easy to get in um, as a member of the public. Um, and to me, this has been, especially just coming off the heels of CES, like this has been just such a fantastic example of illustrating how now in the age of live streams and of social media, the concept of having these big tr trade shows where everybody comes together and has to, you know, share the spotlight, you know, whereas that used to kind of be the only way to really reach a mass audience. Now it's arguably one of the most inefficient ways of reaching a mass audience. And you're much better served going off doing your own event where you have the entire spotlight and you can reach out, you know, directly with your fans. So I don't know. The, the, to me, the, the punchline here is trade shows are just, they're, they're a thing of the past. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be too many more years until even the marquee ones like E3 are, are just no longer relevant. So I don't want to, I don't want to draw the wrong comparison, but is, and again, I don't know much about the games industry, but is EA sort of kind of equivalent to Apple? Like is, is, are they a company in the sense that Apple pulled out of Macworld because they got out, they got to a certain point where there's almost no publicity to be gained through that venue and that they're big enough and notable enough to draw their own kind of like press conferences or media events like is is EA that dominant yeah i think i think that's a that's a fair comparison um so what's what's the dynamic between them and activision like is it a two horse race or is it not even close yeah no they, those it, are the only two game companies i know of other than bungie it's a, it's a two horse race i mean so there there's the first party stuff from microsoft sony and nintendo and then in terms of third-party publishers, it, it's EA and Activision. And they've, you know, over the course of the last 10 years have been aggressively acquiring smaller developers and studios. So it, it, in, in a lot of ways, it, it's harder and harder to find even like mid-tier games now that aren't ultimately published by either EA or Activision. It's, it's like if you go buy, you know, a can of soda from the grocery store it's kind of hard to find one that's not distributed by either Pepsi or Coca-Cola. Um, it's always the safe baby brand. <laughs> right. So, so it's a, it's a big deal. And, you know, I think, I think in some ways the, the writing has been on the wall for something like this for a really long time, but there actually hasn't been a tangible example. So this is, well, I mean, there was in the sense that Nintendo stopped having, um, uh, they stopped doing their press conference, at the event and instead they did one of their Nintendo Direct live streams. So that that was sort of a, a half step, but they they still had a booth and everything. Um so th this is a you know I think they I think they still have a booth. I think that's right. But th this is this is in any case, this is a much more extreme example where like not only are they pulling out of the show floor, but they're literally saying, "Hey, we're going to do our own event during your same week and we're going to open it to the public." I don't know how there could be a more clear example of how companies now reach reach their audience. It's the 21st century. Yeah, it, it's it's smart. There's just what what is it? What's in it for EA to to have to share the stage with? I don't know how many other exhibitors are at E3. It's it's got to be dozens, if not hundreds. Like why 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 would you share that space when you could 
probably more cheaply and way more effectively have your own event where you're also not limited to just, you know, showing uh, your games to people who could actually get a, get a pass to E3. Instead, you're just opening it up to the public. That's just, just smart. Yep. Um, okay, so let's wrap this up with our uh, picks of the week. Okay, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, so mine is a podcast this week. I know how much you love podcast recommendations. Um, you, you actually, you, you, you legitimately do, right? Um, I do. I'm, I'm not kidding. As long as they're not game related, you bet. Yeah, they're not. This, this isn't. Um, so 538, um, they came out with a new, uh, politically focused podcast. Their first, I guess they had a pilot episode last week, but their first actual like live, live episode was this week. And it's very good. I, I consider myself a fan of Nate Silver. Um, you know, going back to the last presidential election cycle, I really liked what he did with, you know, at the time he was partnered with the New York Times and he's, you know, has since now partnered with Disney. Um, and I, I like, I like 538 a lot. They write, I think they write some really smart stuff. Um, you know, as an accountant, I can't help but like the numbers angle on a lot of what they do. Um, and the, the podcast was really good. It, it um, didn't focus you know too much on like the polls and the numbers some like some of the writing does i mean it's certainly a lot of the discussion tied into that but it was more of a just a general discussion of of you know where the race is and how things are going and i'm sorry the name one more time i I think it's just the 538 political podcast um let me look at it here um 538 elections is the name of the podcast and they spell it out, right? Yeah, they do. All all one word. Um, and it was so yeah, it was good. I for listened to the first episode today. Um, and it, it seems like something that's gonna be a um, you know, recurring recurring listen from now through uh November. All right. Cool. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Um hmm. I have kind of a weird pick, and again, this is something I'm not really sure on because I'm still in the free trial period. But uh, my pick is going to be YouTube Red. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's. Um, do you remember Google Music All Access? I do. Yes. It's almost as poorly named as Microsoft Groove. So, um, yeah. Apparently, they converted that, or or it still sort of exists, except now for the same price per month of ten dollars a month, there is a component of it where. Um, YouTube becomes ad free and there's a new app that you get on iOS, which is, this is the main reason why I like it and why I think I might not, uh, where, why, where I might let it auto renew is that, uh, there's this YT music app, which allows you to, uh, discover music that's published on YouTube. Um, and also you can play it back, uh, as audio only, which I like a lot of times because there's a lot of live performances and things like that, that are on YouTube that I do enjoy listening to in the car. So no, I, I've I've thought it's pretty good. And also having ad-free YouTube is surprisingly refreshing because uh, I don't know about you, but the vast majority of the video that I end up encountering on the web on a daily basis is on YouTube. So, so, they, so they include a Google Play Music subscription as well. Yes. And it, it says in their FAQ... Um... You know, YouTube Red membership includes a free subscription to Google Play Music. And it says, if you're already a Google Play Music subscriber, you'll receive a free YouTube Red membership. Um, 
I guess why why are these even two different services? Um, I think I don't know, probably branding. I think um, YouTube for most people has a pretty positive connect, uh, connotation, or or just like it conjures a good image in their head. Other than the comments, I think most people like YouTube, and Google Music has not been terribly successful. So I think if they just expanded Google Music, it would that would not be very compelling for people. Whereas this probably is. And so is, is the, with with ad free videos is is this is this the entire YouTube catalog or some select- there are no there are no ads period on the site, so it's just it's an ad free version of YouTube. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's mainly that YouTube Music app, and also just like you can queue up a playlist or something of uh, live performances or stuff, or like even like if you have a music video for a song, like it's kind of Spotify ish, but you can just uh, like I don't know, you can play it um, as just audio only, which I think is pretty neat. Interesting. Okay. So you, you're in the free one-month trial period now? I'm reaching the end, but I think I'll probably let it renew. Okay. Yeah, it's a very tentative uh, pick of the week because I, I couldn't think of much, but I, I, I kind of like it. And you are not a Apple Music subscriber? Nope. I gave it another, another shot. I paid for an actual month of service, and God, I hate it. It's it's the worst, and I really really resent the fact that they destroyed the Apple Music, um, like or the, the like the iTunes application or whatever it is on iOS. Like we already know that the one on the Mac is just terrible, and it keeps getting worse by the version. But the music app on iOS used to actually be decent, and it's it's been destroyed now. So no, I I, I still greatly prefer Spotify. So the, it, this is this going to be then in addition to Spotify for you? Yes. Hmm. Okay. So you'll continue to, to subscribe to Spotify and this potentially. Potentially. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm somebody who who really does not like ads. So 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 anything that's ad free has it's just a big value proposition in my head. Just the sanity of not seeing an ad for some first person shooter video game or like every time I want to watch uh, a YouTube video is, is just fantastic. Hmm, okay. Well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. It seems like there's a lot of overlap between what you'd get out of something like Spotify and this. So I'm, I'm interested to see if you actually continue to subscribe to both. Yeah, we'll see. I think I, think I have a week left. Okay. All right. Long show, but not bad. I'm, I'm losing my voice halfway through. All right. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Have a good one.